diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Waffle Iron Girl. 3CR broadcasts from Wurundjeri land in the Kulun Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. On today's program, we are playing a recorded interview with David Stavanger, poet and cultural producer, among many other things. David talks about a very special upcoming anthology from Upswell Publishing called Admissions, Voices Within Mental Health. Oh, thanks for having me on, Waffle Iron Girl. And I'm, uh, yeah, coming in from um, unceded Darawal country, just uh, Port Kembla, just south of Wollongong. Uh, well, for a start, would you please introduce yourself and this anthology to the 3CR listeners? Yeah, sure. My name's uh, David Stavanger. Um, as you sort of mentioned, I've been around a little while as a as a poet, I used to be, I suppose, more of a performance-based poet and also do sort of cultural producing and, and directing different festivals. I currently work for Red Room Poetry, which relates to this project. And also um, an editor at uh, different times. Um, this is the second anthology I've edited, and this one's called Admissions Voices Within Mental Health. And it documents 100-plus lived experience and voices uh, from within that space. Uh, can you tell us how this project came about? Yeah, sure. It came from a, a couple of different channels of things that were kind of happening uh, for me. Uh, one, uh, I have my own lived mental health experience, which I have written about in other collections such as Case Notes. So it's an area I'm really passionate about, the intersection of lived experience and, and, and writing and the opportunity to document and, I suppose, reclaim memory and voice in that space. And I had got involved with um, two groups, Words on the Street, which was a writing group in Brisbane when I was up there a few years back, which was a writing group for people that were homeless or had dual diagnosis or mental health issues or drug and alcohol issues. And also got involved with the Mad Poetry community, which really founded itself in the Illawarra about probably six, seven years ago. And when I came to Red Room Poetry, where I work now as a project manager, I uh, saw that the Mad Poetry uh, workshops kind of needed a home, had been involved. So I brought it over there, managed to get a little bit of funding, start broadening the workshops out. And um, yeah, I had for a while wanted to do an anthology documenting all these voices, not just my own, driven by lived experience editors and sort of a, a national anthology of different people who I knew had written this space with a call out from Emerging Voices. So 
Red Room supported it. Upswell Publishing got on board and managed to get some funding through the Australian Council to make sure every all the contributors are paid and emissions now exists. What was the process like? Anthologies are really unwieldy beasts. Uh, I think you've got to give anyone who edits anything credit, and particularly anthologies. They're huge amounts of work. Um, and in this case, uh, Muhammad Awad and Radia Chowdhury. I mean, Muhammad's a you know, fantastic spoken word artist. He was, was the youngest peer worker in mental health in New South Wales. Significant lived experience, real passion for this area, has been involved in mad poetry. Uh, Radi has been an editor at Penguin and involved in all sorts of different communities and is a fantastic writer uh, and, and brilliant editor and really helped with the prose pieces in particular. So even though there's a project I kind of, you know, kind of led in a way, I suppose, um, and, and, and sort of sought to put it together, having those two come on board, yeah, that, that's really helped. But, yeah, just trying to decide the, the constraints of an anthology, what's in it, what's not, um, you're never going to get that completely right. So, you know, I think all, all, all I really see it is it's the best document you could manage at that particular time with that particular writing. I've seen it um, talked about as a groundbreaking piece of work in terms of documenting lived experience of mental health. Um, and in my limited experience, it, it, it certainly seems like there's not a lot out there. Your excellent anthology case notes from UQP uh, being one that um, I go back to often. And of course, a, a lot of the work that Sandy Jeffs has been doing for a long time. Um, what do you think is the reason that uh, mental health, mental illness and institutionalization um, touching so many people in the community? What makes you think that this has been an area that has been so long neglected? I think there's been people riding this space for a while. I think, you know, like you mentioned, Sandy Jeffs. I mean, Sandy Jeffs is a real pioneer in terms of writing from the lived experience of uh, schizophrenia um, and writing numerous collections about that. Um, People like uh, Wart, who's often kind of written off as an outsider artist, which I think is a convenient label sometimes for people that are just documenting things within this framework in, in Sydney, uh, who's in the collection. Anthony Mannix, one of our kind of leading um, experimental artists and, and again, you know, based on the Blue Mountains. So there, there are these people who've been doing this for a while. Tim Heffernan, who was one of the founders of Mad Poetry down here, um, uh, Deputy New South Wales Mental Health Commissioner, writes amazing stuff in this space. You had people like Benjamin Freider, who unfortunately died really young from a clozapine overdose They're down here in Wollongong, one of our great sort of surrealist poets. So there's been a lot of that happening. Um, but I think there is there is sometimes an energy starts to gather where there's an interest in people writing specifically to a subject matter. And I think lockdowns, COVID, everyone's mental health sort of being elevated as a priority, a concern, um, more so than ever, which is a good thing, also a very exploitable thing, which this book deals with a lot institutional experiences in this space. But I think you're starting to see writers like, um, you know, all these people in the book, Ruby Hill Smith, uh, Anna Jacobson, uh, Muhammad, obviously, as well. Um, Anna Spago Ryan's got a memoir out, so is Heidi Everett in the book. Um, so, yeah, my, my collection, Case Notes, does deal with my adult mental health experiences. Um, I think what's great is there's no one lived experience in terms of mental health, mental illness, uh, or, you know, experiences of institutions in this space. So it's really great to have many voices writing about it and an anthology that kind of gathers that, gathers it all together to go, look, this doesn't look one way. Doesn't doesn't have a particular shape to it. 
uh, it's a collective shape and everyone's sort of welcome to, to shape it their own way when it comes to their writing. What would you like to see more of in this space, David? Look, I'd, lo- I'd love to see more, always love to see more writing uh, happening in this space um, and also from different communities within this space. You know, I think it's really important that, you know, First, First Nation voices and, and writers of colour are often dealing with um, a multiplicity of institutions that affect mental health and just the general experience of colonisation and racism. So I think, you know, um, being able to write about that experience specifically, but with a broader awareness of those things, which I think um, is hopefully starting to happen more. Um, seeing more younger voices, being able to, like, like, a, like a Ruby Hill Smith, write about these experiences, but also just being really aware that it's very easy to get into sort of exploitation almost like trauma porn in this space so really hoping publishers have an awareness of when they engage with writers from a lived experience how they they set them up to succeed and they set them up to be to be safe because they're often you know there is some amazing writing that come out of this space but um there's got to be a sense of kind of like um having sort of control and being ready to sort of put yourself into this space with, with this writing and how you go about it and how that's then marketed. So, yes, I want to see more writing, but also I want to see more self-care from, from the industry around people writing in this space. Um, more workshops. We've now got a national uh, online workshop through um, Red Room Poetry through the Mad Poetry Project, which is really great. We've had people able to do it from their homes. A lot of people aren't able to leave their homes that, that, that are significantly impacted or acutely impacted with, with mental health stuff. Um, and also we have people come in while they've been like um, within, you know, uh, psychiatric hospitals attend the workshop as well. So I think access where we can, um, I would like to see more of that. Um, yeah. And I think just, I just think, I just think an understanding that, there's a continuum. There's a continuum of experience, and and the more writing that documents that whole experience, uh, the broader broader sense and understanding we're going to have of mental health generally in our in our culture. What does self care mean when you're talking about writing about your lived experience of mental health? I I don't have a definitive answer for that. I think that you can write in this space and it can have positive and not so positive impacts that you are either not aware of or not aware of until later. Um, I'd say my own experience would be is to increasingly I try to make sure that my identity as a writer isn't as a, you know, uh, lived experience, uh, a writer of mental health issues. I've had, you know, someone called me the mental health poet and that really disturbed me because that's not how I see myself. It's something that intersects with my writing, but it's just an aspect. And I think the other thing is often when we write in the first person in poetry, there's this sense of um, giving over control to a reader that that's some sort of um, memoir or truth or absolute truth. And I think when we write about these experiences, we're talking about, I try to see myself as an unreliable narrator trying to document my experiences because Ish things like you know memories and details and even the idea of case notes and reclaiming information in these spaces and language and labels, it's sort of like a, a nebulous space. So having having the sense of having a bit of distance from the work and the eye not being reliable and that um, also having a sense of play 
uh, you know, in that whole idea of gallows humor, my writing's quite dark at times. Um, if I can sort of turn that round so I'm sort of outside it and can sort of see it through a dark sort of humorous lens, that's given me, I think, some protection in my uh, writing. But I think it's up to the individual writer. And I don't think anyone should be pushed to write about something or a specific way about something in the interest of the reader. Street CR Community Radio, 855 AM. You are listening to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. That was the first part of an interview with David Stavanger, editor of the anthology Admissions, Voices Within Mental Health. We will now be playing a series of poems from the collection read by the authors themselves. My body is a window. Which is to say, if you lift me up, I will let in a thousand fragrant blooms, spring air to hold you. But here's the thing about trauma. It builds bars around being. So used to my body, pressed up against glass, voices muffled, breath fogging up pain. I have become proficient in writing the word help backwards. In a TV show where people dress up as drag queens, contestants are asked to name their inner saboteur. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Sid. It is short for insidious. Sid says, have you ever thought about a very brief career and tying knots? Sid says, what would happen if we laid down and just never got up? Sid says, if you want to go, let's go. Sid is not my friend. Defenestration is the act of throwing a body through a window. But how can I throw this voice outside myself? Remember, trauma builds bars around being. The writer Anna Borges has called this condition chronic passive suicidal ideation. I call it up at least five times a week involuntarily. On the weekend we do each other's nails. As I ring for the pizza it is planning an escape route. I so want to escape this. So I go to therapy. I do the work. I write lists and on all of them your name appears twice. I head home realizing that I may be a car doing 40 something down the freeway of life tires bolding, odometer needing occasional tapping, but my radio heart can still sing, and when I wind the windows down, my palms catch wind, and surely this is enough reason to keep going. I get home, fill bucket with soap and water, take down all the bars, squidgy clean each sheet of pain, go inside, Turn on all the lights so I am bright and shiny because my body is a window and now, now you can see me. This is a poem called Comic Sands and it's written by me and Chris Fleming. This is your form. If you make a mistake, don't cover it up. So, this is a form again. 
straighten your back, focus and start. Don't be sneaky. Use only blue or black pen. I have stencils backdating my failures. Capital letters itemize time, tide, trauma. In other words, do you have a green, purple or light blue pencil? A momentous choice. Put the pen in the bag. Remove the bag, put it on, light it up and charcoal the beast you arrived on. Find and follow the dot. It's been more than 10 years now. Don't let anyone see that your pen is older and you are not. Sure enough, go out and buy a cheapskate pen. Choosing the right item is an important choice. A moustache, a suit, a collar. In the loud voice of men. Can I have a pen? Is this true? Then go back and fill this out. What kind of handwriting is this? Looks like writing for the beach. First impressions matter. You are talking. Separate and use handwriting. I admit, I blew it up. Why do I still use that font? If you have a wound, salt water will aid the healing. If you have a beach, the tide will erase the whole thing. I wish you good luck. But Jesus, what's on the page? That was Holly Isamonger reading Comic Sans, which was written by Holly and Chris Fleming. And before that, Scott Patrick Mitchell reading My Body is a Window. Dissociate is to... Dissociate is to separate, is to alter, is to leave. Imagine your particles, your particular self. Imagine you are driving a while or only minutes in a car on a road with your children. Two hands, one wheel, thinking of nothing, possibly everything. You feel the old pull out of your body, a tiny snick, and you shucked your skin. Now you are above the car. You are rising. You have gone beyond the atmosphere and reached, with no help from any science, the other side of the universe. Please understand, please feel this, the space where bliss is waiting. Dissociate is to apparate, is to appear, is to arrive. In the car, your son is telling you a story, or your daughter is telling you a story, or both of them are telling you a story. You do not understand them. They do not understand. You are not here. You are driving. You are not driving. You are on the freeway, and you aren't. Dissociate is to disassemble, is for language to end, is for words to turn to water. Note. People who are driving on freeways but also aren't might forget they are driving on a freeway. You are on a freeway with your children, with your children. 
alarms sound in the far away, you must come back. You must force yourself into yourself, stuff yourself into your skin. What skin? Rattle back inside those bones. What bones? Return your far-flung molecules, the ones that have turned to air. Please do it. So you can take your children down this freeway past these fertile monsters, grown stone barriers, the zip thick white lines, all this gaping nothing, and safely home. You walk through the door again, as you do, as you do. Keys clunk on kitchen bench, footsteps on tiles, cat snakes through bare legs, mango sheen and sunlit bowl, dog wags at the sliding glass window. Somewhere, someone moves through space-time. Someone, a child, reaches out, takes their mother's hand. Sweaty fingers, sweet press of skin, here, here, here you are. If you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 111 500. That's 1300 111 500. Wellways supports 3CR. Hi. Before we begin, I'd just like to acknowledge the um, traditional owners of the land on which I'm living, the land of the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawal Nation. The poem I'm going to read to you was uh, composed from several poems written during an inpatient stay at Sutherland Mental Health Unit in uh, April of 2020. It's called From the Book of Puns and Other Altered Sentences. The blue chair is algorithmic and we who are not apostrophes cannot spoil the things we do with the furniture. We love useless things, so if you're digging with a spoon in the garden of the HDU and you're a poet and mad, remember it is a spoon and not a pen. In the morning, in the muralled hospital courtyard, a star, the morning star points down. In the afternoon, the sun contrives with the sailcloth to create a specific volcano. It is 20 minutes since you took your meds, the Zyprexa, the communion wafer, the blasphemous one. Instead of taking it on the tongue, you take it under the roof of your mouth, sedative tongue kisses numbing us. Leaving the tomb on the third day, you try to stop them thinking you are end dead. But if you don't want to say anything, just go back and know you'll come back out the front of the caravan park where no one can hear us. Just you and me pressing against time. There are always devils on the ward. They spit bullets into the mouths of the innocents and they drag us down with their growling, clawing, gnawing syllables. There are always angels on the ward. They speak flowers at medication time, watering our tomorrows. 
They lift us up with their songs, their wings and their beautiful caresses. It is the coming down time, coming down from the vision place, the reminder of concrete landings and the smashing of intellect. It is the fool tripping over his outrageous shoes again, again and again. It's like history playing backwards. What has been done is playing live music improvised. The future catches up with the past and in time you are moving back and forward to the present. To get out of here, we all need to walk to schedule. Mules arrive on day trays vertically mirroring the ward where the rooms are stacked laterally, unlike their inhabitants. It's still all about screen time. Nurses stare out of the fishbowl while we swim round and round. On each of our leave breaks, a newly born baby emerges from the hospital entrance exit into this COVID-19 world, evidence that this day belongs to them as we sit on the grass seeking distance from each other. That was Tim Heffernan reading from the books of puns and other altered sentences. And before that, Helena Fox reading the poem Dissociate is to the series of poems read by the authors from the anthology Admissions, Voices Within Mental Health. We now return to the recorded interview with one of the editors, David Stavanger. What do you hope readers get out of this anthology? Yeah, several things. A a sense of joy, a sense of hope, um, a sense of accountability. Um, to, to be to be confronted by the range of experiences and who's having these experiences. I mean, there's pieces in there like, you know, the well-known comedian Felicity Ward writing quite openly, and and you know that she, there can be a lot of pressure on like comedians to be funny, but she's just writing directly about effectively postnatal postnatal depression and depression generally. Um, I think. Yeah, the idea that, you know, even like uh, public figures like the Nats, what I reckon, the Felicity Wars, the Grace Thames in there um, experience this acutely and that their inner voice around this isn't any different from some of the emerging poets in there. So that there's, there's this sense of a collective experience with individual delineations between those experiences um, that poetry is an amazing um, art form that can immediately capture and document and, and, and give a lot of power back to both the writer and the reader in these sort of spaces. And also just really um, a sense of taking mental health, mental illness away from the infrastructure that dominates it, which is the experts, the psychiatrists, the pharmaceutical companies, the policymakers, the, you know, all these manufactured health orgs, and their awareness days and saying, actually, this is the heart of the experience. All that's just peripheral, all that's reaction, but this is actually what's going on. If you really want to know what's going on for people with lived experience of mental health, mental illness, this is a far more accurate, to me personally, accurate uh, document. Any last words that uh, we might not have covered? I want to mention the cover art by uh, Armani Hader, who's an amazing uh, writer, memoirist, and artist, um, was given the commission to respond to admissions. has got a great piece in it as well. And just that there are a few lived experience artworks in it as well. And I think that's, um, I think that's really important. The idea of what, what poetry is in this space doesn't necessarily mean text. 
and that how you respond, you know, me mediums of response to, to, to this stuff is, uh, there's just so many possibilities shown in this book. And I think the cover sets it up straight away. I think it's worth getting just for the cover alone. No, and the other thing is, yeah, there, there's a range of events going on for it as well. Um, the NAM launch is on uh, Friday the 7th, 4 to 5 p.m. at the Big Anxiety Festival, which is a great initiative and it's free to attend as part of a lived experience forum. There'll be book sales at that, but we're also doing launches in um, Sydney, events in uh, Brisbane. There'll also be a Wollongong event and an online showcase on World Mental Health Day, um, which is the 10th of October via Red Room Poetry. So if you go to their Facebook page, you'll see the event. So lots of ways to engage with this. Um, really hope people get a copy of it, order it into their libraries, engage with it, because that's the whole that, that really does make it as a living document once it's, it's an exchange. We hope you enjoyed that interview with David Stavanger and readings from the anthology Admissions, Voices Within Mental Health. This collection is now available from Upswell Publishing. As always, a podcast of today's show is available from www.3cr.org.au slash spoken dash word. Please tune in every Thursday on 8.55am at 9 in the morning and please do support 3CR by becoming a subscriber to the station. Help keep grassroots radio on the air. My name is Waffle Iron Girl. Thank you for listening. <laughs>